This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Now for our study time today, we're going to divide the time among the two Timothy passages, the one we read last week and the one for this week. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving may be made for all people. You see those first three words, and it says, first of all. That's a reminder to us to keep first things first, to have our priorities in order, to put what's first genuinely, or what should be first, first. And what would we think that that first thing should be? Jesus. Jesus. Okay, good. At least one of you got it. Think about this. If you were keeping a diary and somebody threw you a surprise birthday party, the first thing you write in that diary isn't to say, well, I had a cake on my birthday and it was a triple layer cake and it had cat decorations on it. You're not going to do that. You're going to say, whoa, they surprised me. I had a surprise birthday party today. Because that's obviously the most important detail of that circumstance. Our priority is, yes, Jesus, but also thinking about and basking in and living and walking in God's love. Yes, he loves us. But what we're also supposed to do is love him. And I want you to think, how different would this world be if we all who claim the name of Christ, walked and lived as if we loved God with all of our heart. How different might things be? You know, we say that every week. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Well, if we did that, I'm pretty convinced that the world would be a different place because we would love people with the love of God. And they would sense the fact that we cared about them. We loved them. We would do anything to help them. And so the world would be a different place. Now then, Paul urges them to say that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Say, well, aren't all those words interchangeable? Actually, no. Supplications means you're petitioning and addressing God on behalf of yourself. You're saying, God, I need the money to pay my rent this month. Please take care of me. That's a supplication. Prayers, that's generally just, oh God, we love you. We thank you. We give praise and honor and glory to you. And then there's intercessions. Those are prayers for other people. I see, like if I was going to pray for Yasue, I would say, Lord, bless her in every way possible. Take care of her. Lift her up. Hold her in your hands. That's an intercession because I'm praying for someone else. And of course, Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving, not the holiday. It's a prayer of Thanksgiving. So we pray. Thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings we have. How many people in here can say that they've been blessed at least once or twice in their life? There should be every hand going up in here. See, Paul is writing this to Timothy. Timothy was the pastor and bishop in Ephesus. Do we remember that in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, Jesus' address is a letter to the church in Ephesus. 
What did he say their major problem was? He said, hey, you guys understand doctrine. You've got, you worship, you go to church every week, but you're missing one thing. What was that? It says you've lost your first love. And it's ironic that he's writing this about intercessions and things and praying for other people from the perspective of having the love of God in his heart. And he's writing this to Timothy, who's in Ephesus, the church that about 40 or 50 years later got addressed down from the Lord because they'd forgotten about God. They were doing all the right things. God said, hey, cool, you know, that's great. You're doing all that. But you've lost your first love. You know, there's a worship song or a Christian song that was out about four, five, six years ago. And the words were, I miss my time with you. Jesus is speaking in that song and he's saying, it's great. You know, I love you, but I miss my time with you. In other words, Jesus is saying he misses us coming to him in prayer, kneeling down, reading his word and talking to him. See, our devotion time means as much to God as it should to us. So if we're not spending our time in the devotions like we ought to, God is going to be disappointed because he's going to miss having his time with us. For all people, that means everyone. See, most of the time we don't have problems praying for our friends, our family, and our loved ones. But folks, we also should be praying for our enemies, the people we don't like, the people who don't like us, the people who are annoying. And we know a few of those, don't we? We should be praying for those people because here's the spiritual truth. You can't start praying for someone on any kind of regular basis and continue to hate them. It just doesn't work that way. If you continue to pour out your heart asking God to bless those people, you are eventually going to have a change in your heart towards that person. And you're going to be able to actually be civil and friendly to that person, believe it or not. See, that's God's work. And that's God working on us. You see, prayer sometimes or frequently is the process of us getting in tune with God and Him doing a work in our heart. Because don't we all kind of need God to do some work in our hearts? He says also, for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But he's talking here about how we live a peaceful and quiet life. Now, the link between prayers for kings and all those in authority and that we may live a peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness may be more mysterious than Christians sometimes assume. Paul connects the phrases with the Greek conjunction hina, that we generally translate is so that. So Christians sometimes assume that the apostle is claiming that when God says yes to our prayers for those in authority, they'll lead in such a way that it's good and pleases God our Savior, in part because it's an essential component of Christian discipleship. But what if Paul is inviting us to pray for our leaders because such prayer is an essential part of what it means to live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and holiness for us. 
God's dearly beloved people tend to pray only for the people whom we like. Is that true? Yeah. And as well as we pray that God will change the people we don't like. Lord, make that person less ornery. We don't know any ornery people, do we? And so we pray for that person. But when we do that praying, God will touch that person's life, but he will change us again. He'll change our attitude about those people. And it actually works. Intercessory prayer is a powerful thing because it's fact that Christians, the evangelicals in Germany, attribute prayer to the Berlin Wall coming down. You say, how did that work? Well, in Leipzig in 1989, in the historic Nikolai Kirche, St. Nicholas Church, where the Reformation had been introduced nearly 450 years earlier, a small group of people began to meet in one of the church's rooms and to read the Sermon on the Mount and pray for peace. The group expanded and moved to a larger room and finally began to meet in the church's sanctuary, which began to fill up. Alarmed, the communist authorities sent officials to attend and to infiltrate that prayer meeting. They threatened the gatherers and temporarily put some of them in jail. And on prayer nights, they would actually go and block the exit off the autobahn that led into Leipzig so they could prevent people from coming to that prayer meeting. But on October 9, 1989, some 2,000 individuals crowded in to pray for peace and another 10,000 gathered outside, and soon the Berlin Wall came down. Now we go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Our passage started with verse 6, but let's look at verse 5. Constant friction among people who are depraved of mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. He warns Timothy. Paul's warning Timothy about those who think godliness is a means of financial gain. He describes corrupt teachers who will divert believers from true faith in Christ by arguing over words, creating trivial controversies, and pursuing get-rich-quick schemes. Paul clarifies the meaning of godliness and emphasizes that it is the opposite of what those people may be proposing. Because that heretical teaching had infiltrated the church in Timothy's day. And we still see it in modern Christianity. We commonly hear preachers and Christian figureheads using their positions of influence to amass unimaginable wealth so that they can live opulent lifestyles. Then they then teach that their success is the norm and a worthy goal that every believer should pursue. They take God's promises of blessing and create a religion out of them, actually. And in some instances, Jesus is portrayed as a means to achieve all our hopes and dreams. But Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Christ followers should focus their effort on pursuing holiness in conduct, attitude, and thought. We should choose to be content in whatever circumstances God has given to us just as Paul himself had done while in prison. We are told by the apostle himself to 
flee from all this eagerness to get rich and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, and love. Paul learned how to be content. You see, godliness with contentment is great gain because Paul knew that first that kind of contentment firsthand. Here is his testimony. Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, I mean abused, and I know how to abound, to prosper, thrive. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is true that material possessions in and of themselves do not corrupt us. Paul could abound in everything. However, it's when we take those possessions and we let them rule us that we lose our contentment because we're saying, well, he got this and I should have that too. We learn to be content in Christ and let him do the providing. We just love him, send up our praises, and when we need it, he'll take care of us. And it's pretty much that simple. So he goes on in verse 7. We brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of the world. There's this famous chap named John D. Rockefeller who, by very interesting circumstances, turned out to be quite a philanthropist. John D. Rockefeller was laid out there and someone asked the guy, saying, how much did he leave? And the fellow said he left all of it behind. You see, you can't take it with you. Job says that very thing, sort of. Naked I came, and naked I will go. He's saying, I brought nothing in, and when I leave here, I'm taking nothing out. So what we need to be concerned about is the things that the Lord wants us to do while we are here. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.